0: The Chappella Hard Fork went live last night. People are withdrawing their ether. Stakers are withdrawing their ether. Bankless Nation,
1: it is the second week of April. I'm back and we're ready for what, David?
0: Uh, the Bankless Friday Weekly Roll-Up, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless into the frontier on the Friday Bankless Roll-Up with... Coffee. It's always going to be a little bit late for me while I'm here in Montenegro for coffee. Yeah. But Ryan, you, you got coffee? Oh, I got coffee. Look at it right here, right here. Beautiful. I got my coffee. Beautiful. Do you know? Do you- did
1: did people? Um, since I was out last week on vacation enjoying mm-hmm. myself, uh, did people think that the April first, April Fool's thing was like legit? Yeah. Like that. I had to uh, we had we were not going to do this podcast any longer. That <laughs> there was of well, so, yeah, breakup so,
0: going on. Uh, Saturday, April first, we released on the Bankless newsletter that we broke up. Tuesday, the state of the Notice nation. Notice the date, guys. April first. April first, real important date. Uh, Tuesday on the state of the nation, I was solo. Friday with the weekly roll-up <laughs> with Anthony. Also, you weren't uh, there. So, uh, but in the in the start of the Friday weekly roll up, the first thing that we the first link I pulled up was this post about how we broke up <laughs> <And> <laughs> just to real make it real obvious that no ryan is actually on vacation because ryan actually yeah. takes vacations at times go figure
1: no, there, no breakup here and you know but has david been replaced by an ai <laughs> have i been an ai the entire time we may never know who knows all right uh topics of the week david we just did a hard fork Ethereum We just has it. been hard fork week mm-hmm. it's hard fork week chapella that's what the upgrade is called. And ETH is over 2K
0: for the first time since when? <laughs> We're gonna talk about that. What else we got? Uh, the Arbitrum DAO drama continues, which Ryan completely missed all of this. Yeah, so I'm you got, glad, the actually. Bankless Nation is going to uh, hear Ryan get downloaded about the Arbitrum drama in real time. Uh, also the MEV drama as well. Uh, a new meta in MEV happened last week. Uh, and that drama has continued. Uh, the exploiter, which again, semantics, don't know if you'd call it exploiter or not, had their uh, stables frozen by Tether. So we're going to talk Ooh. about that. Ooh. And then there's a new product launch. Ryan, you want to take this one? Dude, I'm so excited about this. Ah, it's called the are. Token Hub. It's so token you know we're Hub. looking
1: at tokens, tokens. And we've got some uh, token analysts <laughs> that are telling us what's bullish, what's bearish, and what's neutral. It's a new product for the Bankless Nation, for Bankless Citizens. We're releasing that uh, Today? I believe mm-hmm. it's released right now. So we'll talk Yesterday about that too. Yesterday for the listener. It's already out. And it's already out. All right, David, let's get to the markets today, man. This is a good day for markets. I'm feeling pretty good. This is my the happiest um, markets mm-hmm. report we've had mm-hmm. all of this year, I think, at least for me it is. It's I a don't good know. week. Okay, it's a good week. So what are we looking at for Bitcoin.
0: Bitcoin has crossed $30,000. We there are we at $30,500. Bitcoin is up 8% on the week. Congrats, Bitcoin, crossing the $30,000 mark. You'd love to see it. Well That's done. That's huge. So, okay, okay uh, this, not only is this $30,000, which is a nice round number, and so therefore yes. it's significant. We are also, what is, uh, what's not a meme, is this $30,000 has now fully erased the three arrows capital liquidation. So when we broke above 24ish $1,000, we erased the FTX liquidation. Now that we are at th- above $30,000, we uh, have completely erased the 3 olds capital liquidation. And so that means there's only one big step left to And and to by recover. that you mean
1: cuz I'm looking on I'm I'm a charter now. I'm looking on the Kraken charts. Mm-hmm. Kraken Pro by the way. Thanks for uh thanks for sponsoring this and thanks for putting the charts mm-hmm. uh out that you've you've put in its a fantastic interface. You're, you're talking about the last time Bitcoin actually hit mm-hmm. the 30000 actually dipped below 30000 mm-hmm. was
0: when? Uh, May? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so if you, if you want to sk- zoom into that so we can uh, blow that up in the big. Oh, that, look at that. that. Look at all Oh, that just happened so fast. Yeah. yeah, so last May was the last time Bitcoin was at $30,000. And then we had the three hours capital liquidation that broke... Th- down below $30,000. That's what you mean. That's what yeah. this, this huge mm-hmm. red
1: candle down was in right. like June, toward the end of June and yep. um, that destroyed Bitcoin. we haven't, mm-hmm. now you're saying we've recovered from that. Yes. We're back to 30,000. Back
0: to 30,000, yes. So but we're, ab- still we're above FTX, do. we're above 3 Rose capital. Uh, the next step is to get above $40,000, which would get us above Terra Luna. Okay. And that would be the last of the big contagion events that really spawned this whole bull market. I'm gonna say, it's going to be really hard to get to forty thousand dollars. That is, yes, that's pretty hard. Um, but yes. that is the next milestone to recover from.
1: It, don't you think it requires new buyers? It requires something a little bit different than what this market has uh, built out so far. Are Ordinals gonna gonna make it to forty thousand? You think?
0: Uh, ordinals are not gonna do it. Um, what, <laughs> How could, about the Bitcoin? Could we signaled? step into forty thousand dollars without? A mass influx of new buyers. Uh, it gets. I mean, the higher it, the higher we go, the harder that that gets. Forty thousand dollars is a big ask. Bology's um, bit signal. Is that going to get us there? Bology's bit signal is not going to get us there. I feel pretty confident okay. about
1: that one. Sorry, David, David's calling it. Um, yeah. How about ETH? What is that looking like on the week?
0: Ether two thousand dollars. Two thousand U.S. American dollars. Uh, so that? started the week at the low, low price of eighteen hundred and fifty dollars. We are currently just above two thousand dollars. I keep on checking it. Sometimes we're above it. Sometimes we're below it. I think we hit two thousand and eight dollars today. Uh, I've seen it dip down below back to nineteen ninety seven or something. But yeah, above above two thousand and two dollars right now. So Do you know what? I'm ready.
1: I'm ready to say something here. Is Uh-oh. Um, you remember? I was thinking that there was. Not a huge probability, but I'm gonna call it 60% probability that we would dip back into triple digit ETH, Mm -hmm. and that has not happened. No, it hasn't. And I had some buys set up the entire
0: time that you've said that.
1: (laughs) And I've been a patient little investor. Uh I've been waiting for the triple digits again. I thought that we would hit some sort of, um, you know, like like post merge, Mm -hmm. just like the bear market hitting us. FTX, we'd have some rallies, then we'd go back into this chop, and the chop would take us back to. To triple digits, it hasn't yet, mm-hmm. and at two at two uh, k, I'm almost I'm I'm feeling pretty ready to capitulate on that. Oof, like okay, I don't know if we're gonna see triple digits again.
0: Hang on, um, let me let me put on my bear cap, uh, okay? Because okay, can wait, you are we it? switching spots now? Yeah, we're switching spots. Can you put Can you pinch out a little bit? Yeah, okay. So uh too far. Go back a little bit. So go back to the three hours capital liquidation. Okay, so Ether was at two, th- Bitcoin, it's, it's crazy how these round numbers happen. Bitcoin was at $30,000, then three hours capital liquidated Ether. Ether was at $2,000, then three hours capital liquidated it all the way down to like the 18, the 18, excuse me, $870 mark, which was yes. the low for Ether. That, and so interestingly, Ether hit its low for the cycle at 870 dollars the last May. The three hours capital liquidation. It did not hit a new low with FTX, even though Bitcoin did. Well, that
1: was actually, it was a little later than May. Uh, mm-hmm. It was in June.
0: It was in June. Oh, yes. June 17th. Right. Uh, and so the three hours capital, before three hours capital got liquidated, we were at where we are now at $2,000. Uh, we researched after three hours capital, uh, Ether went to, uh, from th- uh, 2000 down to 870, back up to 2000 again pretty quickly in like August, I'd say. And then it, yep. and then that, and so it hit that it was started there, fell down to eight hundred seventy, back up to two thousand. Then it retouched something like the high nine hundreds, in the well, FTX liquidation. Yeah, we one, didn't oh, get. Oh no, I we don't didn't think break we got to one thousand triple digits yeah. again. Yeah, and then and so they hit one thousand ish, and then we're back up to two thousand. We are not above the three hours capital liquidation point. We are at the three hours capital liquidation point. This is my bear cap. We yep. have not broken through. We are True. hanging there. And so while you are, you are ha- perhaps ready to capitulate, there's plenty of people, and then I think plenty of reasonable takes that this is, we're just going to touch this, and this was a local top, and then we have another flat year between $2,000 and 1000 for 2024, or the rest of 2023. Uh, that is the bear case. That is a bear take. Oh, I, no, I still think that that's the, a likely
1: case for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Getting ready you're to just feeling on us. I know. I'm just well yes <laughs> but also I'm ready to capitulate on us going back below 1000 okay that's okay. like because that's a 50 percent haircut from here yeah, yeah and yeah. Do you, how do you think that happens
0: yeah what, I, I like, think that but, that happens uh that the case for that is the case that etai gave us on the weekly roll-up which I don't know if you've caught up on recession but, recession yes Stagflation, so recession his, his take is that this depreciation from $4,800 down to $1,000 for Ether and Bitcoin from like $67,000 down to $20,000. He didn't call that a bear market. He called that a re-rating. He's saying the bear market is actually ahead of us. And this is an economic stock market, bear market. Everything is getting re-rated. And that was 2022. And Itai is saying there's still a case to be made for an actual economic equities S&P Uh, NASDAQ bear market, and that is potentially ahead of us. And so the case to why Ether and Bitcoin would have a 50% haircut over the next year plus is that this is uh, just traders and this is a bounce, uh, but we still have an actual bear market ahead of us and that crypto assets are not going to be fun to hold inside of an actual bear market.
1: I could see that. I mean, I think the real question there is you have two opposing forces of like people who Mm -hmm. think crypto is a risk asset and risk Mm -hmm. on assets will get you know, destroyed in that type of environment. And then Mm -hmm. crypto, people who think crypto is a monetary hedge. And I think monetary hedge assets could actually do fairly well in that environment, right? If the government, I mean, how are we going to tame inflation? How are we going to combat a recession? Interest rates have to go up, like more money printing has to happen. And so these are some opposing forces. We'll have to see which one wins out. Um, well, maybe there's a chance for my triple digit, uh, Ethan. <laughs> How about this?
0: ETH-Bitcoin ratio. What's the ratio doing this week? Uh, down on the week, down 1%. We are at 0.065. Uh, 6. uh, Ether, since the Chappelle uh, upgrade, has rebounded significantly, but overall has just, it's been down week and then basically bounced back up to zero for the flat on the week. There flat you go. The and uh, total crypto market cap looking pretty pretty nice today. Yeah. $1.3 trillion. Nice to see that three number there. It's been, I don't think we've seen that three number yet, uh, since breaking down below a trillion dollars. So 1.3 trillion, not, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about
1: some of the signals from the market. So one is looking at layer twos. We've had some new layer two entrance, ZK sync era and polygon ZK EVM enter. Where are they placed on the board? Uh, well, here they are ZK sync era number four on l2beat.com board this is ranked by total value locked inside of the layer two and uh, zk sync coming in at number four with 232 million dollars locked inside of the first i think they call themselves the first zk evm to market which is pretty good of course still dwarfed by arbitrum which yeah, has a significantly
0: absolute gargantuan dude
1: 6.4 billion dollars yeah. uh, versus 232 but zk sinker has just been out for uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. um is also looking for polygon I mentioned them uh they are down here at number 17 3.72 million in total locked value interesting so,
0: discrepancy
1: yeah yeah slower start there in terms of total assets locked but you know with polygons uh His dev team and all of the activity and everything that's going on and just the absolute massive size of their proof of stake Mm -hmm. um, chain, like that's going to go up over time. But um,
0: still, cool to see these new layer twos on the on the charts here. I mean, I think the real big story here is Arbitrum one at six point four billion dollars. The total locked value of all layer twos is close to crossing ten billion dollars. We're at nine point seven billion dollars. Close to crossing $10 billion in layer twos, Arbitrum 1, clocking in at 6.4 billion of that. David, d- do you remember when we uh, this
1: is the beginnings of the Bankless podcast and we were so excited about DeFi Pulse. That was locked kind in of DeFi. The and we hit 10 billion locked in DeFi. I and think that the, was the big day, the biggest
0: moment of celebration was 1 billion locked in DeFi. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. There's one billion locked it was in DeFi. One billion locked in DeFi. That. Yeah. It's when the million turned, it's when the M turned into a B. And all the ETH people just had an absolute blast on Twitter that day. Well, this was, was this back in like uh, 2020? This now was like DeFi late 2019, here. early 2020. Late 2019, 2020, yeah. early 2020. This was before
1: DeFi summer. Yeah. This was before anyone thought DeFi was a thing. Right. It, it was like, still we niche. barely had the yeah. term. It was such a niche, and we hit a billion for the first time. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Now we've got right. like almost 10 times lane, that right? on Layer 2s. Dude, we're old, man. We are old. <laughs> crypto. We're going to have to rebrand this to crypto grandpas. Like, that's what we're becoming I, do here. Do you okay. remember
0: that day on Twitter?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can barely remember. Was mm. <laughs> well, it 10 billion or one? A16Z also put out their annual report, which I always enjoy. It's a mm-hmm. 2023 State of Crypto report. David, what were some of the
0: takeaways from you in this report? I remember seeing report, this report and reports like it back in the 2018 to 2020 era. And it was one, like, one of these things, that these, what these reports did for me was like, help me stay convicted during the bear market. I think yes. the biggest takeaway is developers are so sticky developers don't leave they go up in bull markets and then they stay flat in bear markets actually i do see a little bit down downwards trend but we'll, we'll ignore that <laughs> i mean it's uh, pretty much flat though like i i
1: think the point is some leave but like mm-hmm. look you're you're still at the um you know late 2021 mark yeah, right. in terms of active yeah. developers building on crypto so it's just gone down a smidge but like it's, it's hit sort of a, you know, a right. stable point and
0: it's probably gonna go up in the, in the coming months. Yeah, so since October, September of 2021, we have the same amount of developers. And this is really just how you grow utility, how you grow fundamentals. Uh, so I always like seeing the developer numbers. Um, NFT volume still good uh of course it hit an absolute crazy high during the nft mania but nft volume is like not anywhere close to zero and starting to see like much more organic signs of life that one was very big um uh uh, let's see layer twos uh, there was a section here on layer twos uh and then also there's a decent amount of focus on just the crypto perception in the outside world uh which of course isn't totally great Um, uh, but, uh, and also talked about the different, uh, countries, uh, U S is losing its lead in web three. It should come as no shock to anyone here. We are scheduling right now with somebody from a 16 C crypto to come and walk us through this detailed report. So we will have more on that next week. Yeah. Um, that's really good. I mean, just to put some numbers around the active developers,
1: 30 K developers contributed to or built on crypto. That's 30,000. And that's a steady increase of 60% over the last three years. Um, so pretty impressive. And yeah, that point about the U.S. leading, it's uh, losing its lead on Web3, that was actually like, that's killer to me. Uh, between uh, 2018 and 2022, the proportion of crypto developers based in the U.S. versus the rest of the world fell 26%. And it's I think that number. is because U.S. regulators Thanks, are driving talent to other locations. Literally uh, like so, anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, Thanks, I, I think yeah, <laughs> not good there. And you were just mentioning surveys, David. So this is mm-hmm. from the Pew Research Center. Majority of Americans aren't confident in the safety and reliability of cryptocurrency. The, uh, the quote here is, among the vast majority of Americans who say they have heard at least about cryptocurrency, that's 88%. So 88% of Americans have heard of cryptocurrency. Three quarters say they are not confident in cryptocurrency. Um, yet. Despite this poor standing, crypto still pulled better than the U.S. government. (laughs) So we got that going for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a great way to follow that up. Okay. Majority of Americans aren't confident in the safety and reliability of cryptocurrency. Uh, I am as much of a crypto bull as anyone in this industry. Can you really blame them? Because no, when, when you not. are uh, an outsider and you don't know the difference between FTX and Coinbase, and neither did the insiders of this industry prior to FTX blow up, by the way, uh, yes. you don't know the difference between Ethereum and Terra Luna. And again, neither did some of the crypto insiders of this industry either. Uh, and so can you really blame them? Yeah, I can't blame them, but that—that's why I think there's
1: such a, you know, a, an opportunity here, just an arbitrage opportunity. Like mm-hmm. I was telling you on a couple of rollups ago, uh, just I own ETH and Bitcoin, and I sleep very well at night, like yeah. in all market conditions. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think people have invested in all sorts of other things. They don't understand understand what they've purchased. They bought at the tops due to FOMO, all mm-hmm. sorts of other reasons why they don't have conviction in this asset class. And uh, no, I I can't blame them. But I, right. I do think the antidote is us bringing more utility to the things that we are building and uh, for us to educate so that people understand what they're
0: actually buying and, and why. Yeah. Um, it was a frequent yeah. conversation during the bull market where I would where I would talk about, oh, I'm in crypto. And then people would ask me like, all right, so like how much of your net worth is in crypto? And I'm like, oh, hundred uh, percent. And like, what? <laughs> how, how are you, are you worried that it's going to, and then they, the, and the inevitable question is like, but what if it just goes to zero? And yeah. I it just I feel like a, a soul, such, like that, a dagger going through my heart because I'm not invested in Terra Luna. I'm invested in Ether. Ether's right. not going to zero, and they right. think that it could go to zero. And that is that information asymmetry. That but just
1: it sounds the same because they've heard yeah. somebody who is who is shilling Hex or shilling Luna right. or something, and they say the exact right. same words that you say. Right. You know, Luna's exactly. not going to zero. Hex ain't right. going to zero. It's going to the and moon. <laughs> they can't tell the difference. Yeah. They don't know why. They don't have that conviction. Uh, yeah, the conviction,
0: it takes time. So
1: uh, we have to just be patient.
0: David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got to talk about Ethereum withdrawals. Uh, the Chapella hard fork went live last night. People are withdrawing their Ether. Stakers are withdrawing their Ether. Kraken is uh, withdrawing a ton of Ether. So is Coinbase as well. So we're going to talk about all about the Chapella upgrade. Uh, and then after that, I fill Ryan in with all of the drama around Arbitrum DAO. Um, And then what else? Uh, FTX recovers $7.3 billion in assets and has started discussions about potentially restarting the exchange. No. (laughs) Yep. Uh, All of that and more as soon as we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred exchange for 2023. So if you are feeling unsure about your crypto exchange, perhaps go sign up with Kraken, who's been here for 12 years and I can only assume will be here for as many years as you are, Bankless listener. Here we go. The big Ethereum upgrade we've been
1: waiting for, we can now withdraw ETH, any ETH that we have staked for the first time that just happened late Mm -hmm. Wednesday evening, at least on Eastern time. It's called Chapella, withdrawals have been enabled. David, what are we looking at on screen? What just happened?
0: Uh, we are looking at one of the Ethereum clients doing their classic asic art. How do you pronounce that? asic art? ASIC, ASIC yeah. I, I, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so uh, when <laughs> the merge happened and was successful, there was this cute little, actually, I think it's like a, a snail. I, what is this animal? No, it's an owl. It's an owl. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> withdrawals snail are on, an basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so withdrawals have been enabled. Why this is so significant, obviously, is that if, if you are an Ether staker, it's always been a one-way street, which is fundamentally unsustainable for blockchain security. The only reason why people have been going this way and staking their Ether in this one-way fashion is because they've been trusting that eventually, at some point in time, they will be able to withdraw because yeah. that's what they are hoping would happen. It happened. Uh, so now the full loop is now available to do for anyone. And what do I mean by that? Is that you can take your Ether that's in DeFi or wherever or on Coinbase or in your self-custody wallet, you can go and stake it and then you can withdraw it the same day. You could do that if you wanted to. If it you just sounds like pr- a simple thing when you put it like that, though. Right. It really We've is. We've never had this. Th- al- we, it's always been like a one-way flow. Yeah. And now it can go both ways. And you could. Why did deposit they divide it up and- like this?
1: Huh? Why did they divide it up like this?
0: Ah, right. Why did he, Why did we not do enable withdrawals on like the moment of the merge? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the merge. Was just optimized for the maximum amount of simplicity. Merge was a, mm. a pretty big deal. We didn't yeah. want to uh, overdo anything, uh, and so because withdraws was just one more step, then they took it out so that they could just keep it maximally simple. Uh, and so the uh, the proof of stake Ethereum, the Beacon Chain, plus the execution layer has been operating. When did when did we merge? Last September. September. Yeah. 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 And so it's been ho- humming Se- along. Seven just months. Fine. And so uh, they now did the uh, withdrawal hard fork. So now you can withdraw your ether. So there were a lot of questions coming into this. Like for mm-hmm. one
1: question, which is very interesting, David, and we had the whole uh, discussion with Justin Drake and Tim and Bako and, and Anthony Sassano. We never once posed the question of like, uh, so is this going to work, guys? I think the assumption was the hard fork would be successful just because the last whole bunch have been successful because the merge went so flawlessly and this was lower complexity than that and so we didn't even ask that question needless to say it was successful but there were some other questions going into this event such as what would happen to ETH price uh would there be a run on all of the staked ETH and everyone who had their ETH locked up in staking 18 million uh, supply worth which is
0: how much David 18 million times the price of ETH what does that equal That is a whopping $36 billion. So $36 billion is now able to be withdrawn and market sold, and Ether's totally going to zero. (laughs) (laughs) Except that's not not what happened because we actually instead uh, pumped to $100 post uh, post withdrawals. The the Ether Bitcoin ratio, which I know I focus on a lot, went from like 0.063 to 0.066. And so uh, the people that have claimed that this is bearish for Ether are slowly receding some are still uh, holding fast saying like the withdrawals happens over, the the selling pressure happens over the next five to seven days, which is actually technically true. Um, Because uh, there's a queue, right? There's a queue, yes. So a maximum amount of 1,800-ish validators per day can either deposit or withdraw. And so 1,800 times 32 times 2,000 is uh, $115 million at current ether prices, can be deposited or withdrawn inside <clears> of a 24-hour period because there is a, a restriction there is a bottleneck for ether going between being staked or being unstaked why is that the case because we don't want to have ethereum security being volatile um, right. and so this bottleneck constrains the supply of security to the ethereum network just make sure that like these dumb apes that are like operating on top of it don't do anything too stupid a little and circuit breaker ish sure- and so it's a it's a, it's a yeah like it's it's a conductor uh yes no. it's a transistor it's, it's a transistor governor. that's what it is <laughs> i don't know what it is danny ryan is really excited about this what's his tweet saying proof of stake took a bit of time but the loop is finally complete happy chapella happy withdrawals congrats well done danny uh if you want to scroll down and just get this awesome awesome gif of danny ryan just thank you <laughs> thank you danny we appreciate <laughs> your service yeah <laughs> Uh, And so here's a take also from Danny. Danny says withdrawals is a great time to catalyze a redistribution of stake amongst pools for a more secure Ethereum. Yes. Just like stakers succeeded in making Ethereum more resilient by switching consensus clients from majority consensus clients to minority consensus clients, we can do so at Chapella for pools. And so what Danny's saying is staking as a service provider, like Lido, uh, he's saying like, hey, if you are staking with a very majority pool, uh, perhaps it's time to withdraw your Ether from the majority pool and distribute it to a minority pool to help Ethereum be decentralized. That is Danny's Or be a solo staker. Or be a solo staker, which is now something that you can do. And if you decide to rage quit, you can rage quit and, because that's what we just enabled. Yeah.
1: You're not locked up. Um, mm-hmm. I, it does seem like a better environment for solo stakers. There was a, a little bit of uh, suspense, I think. Yeah. At least uh-huh. you experienced this firsthand in the hard fork. I, I was laughing earlier about how we just expected the hard fork would work. Of course. And those are probably the moments where you least have to, when everyone's expecting a hard fork to work, that's when you should be the most
0: worried. Right. Uh, so what happened here? What are we looking at? So I went to, watching the Chappella hard fork upgrade, I went to my first in real life uh, Ethereum people meet up to all watch the hard fork together to celebrate the hard fork. That was totally going to be a complete success and no one thought anything (laughs) otherwise. So we had this website pulled up on the screen and the website would show you the blocks inside of an epoch. And so every six seconds, a block would turn green. uh, And then we would see the block number of the Chappella hard fork come and so we're like we're, you know, one hour away, 30 minutes away, 15 minutes away, There was a live stream. And so this is a, a picture that was taken of Vitalik's answering some questions on the live stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were watching the blocks come and then you see the block for the the Chappella hard fork come. And so the blocks like, uh, it, the way that it works is that there's uh, I think 64 blocks, each takes six seconds. and you watch it go across and it turns green and it turns green and it turns green. And then once a row of 64 all turns green the most recent row of blocks gets justified. And sometimes... An epoch. Not a, is that called an epoch? That's an epoch, an epoch yes. Right. And so um, sometimes you miss a block, and that's totally fine, because yep. Ethereum is anti-fragile. Uh, it's just the block is red, and whoever is the validator just doesn't get the reward for that block. Like, boo-hoo, time goes on. It's a problem when 66% of blocks are only green, and 33% mm. of blocks are red or missed or whatever. That's a problem. Um, and so uh, because the Ethereum blockchain is good, uh, every single block turns green. Uh, and, then, and so then when one row of blocks hits 66 or above, it gets justified. And then it gets finalized the next time another row of 64 blocks gets justified. So like, you know, it's a blockchain. This is how yeah, blockchain yeah. works. Uh, and so we're watching the Chappella, uh, uh blocks come in. Uh, then we hit the Chappella block. You see the uh, withdrawals activated, everyone starts cheering, but then you see the first four or five blocks turn red, and then you get one green one, and then you get oh. like another red one, and oh. then you get a few more green ones, and okay. I'm like, no, that you merge the had the merge had less green blocks than that. I know the difference between red and green, and those are red, oh. <laughs> and those are not green. <laughs> and you see, I see and I'm sitting next to Vitalik and I see Vitalik like. Looking at it, and I see Tim Bako like looking at it, Just and we're we're sweat. watching it ghost, And it's like, okay, we get a few more green blocks. <laughs> like the the first bundle of blocks were like uh, uh, uncharacteristically red. Uh, and then Tim Bako said something along the lines of like, yeah, there was a bunch of messaging that was actually kind of expected. We didn't really know about that, but like, okay. But then like, there were still more red blocks, dude. What? Like I do not like, Yeah, it's like more red blocks happen. I'm like, guys. <laughs> but and like, meanwhile, the live stream is like withdrawals are enabled we did it and then vitalik's like hmm let's make sure that uh the block finalizes right guys <laughs> and then i see tim Bako pull <laughs> open his laptop and starts typing to people i'm like guys i don't like what's going on here And oh God. Uh, like vitalik's and but as as time went on like it got more and more green uh and then uh so then the row filled up pretty heavy red on the left mostly the green epoch. on the right the okay. epoch Yep. And then the, the epoch comes to get justified and it goes down and then we start filling out the next blo- next row. And then so that row gets filled out. More green blocks are happening. I think only two or three red blocks. So like we're good. And, but then that one comes in and that one also justifies. But the hard fork block is not finalized. It's just justified. Ooh, and, just And so like there. we have two, two justified blocks, not yeah. finalized. To justified epochs, you mean? Epochs, yes, exactly. Epochs, which is, and one epoch is a bundle of 64 blocks. And like, I'm listening to Vitalik start to make concern noises. (laughs) And he's like looking at his phone and I'm like, uh, uh, so Vitalik, like, I I know he doesn't know what's going on. He's just waiting for more data. And it's like, I go, uh, Vitalik, uh, so what's going on? Uh, Meanwhile, while the live stream is happening and everyone's (laughs) chatting and he goes, oh, the beacon change is being weird. (laughs) And I'm like, what does that mean, dude? (laughs) <laughs> and wow. then we okay and then we get to the next epoch it's all green everything finalizes and we're good to yeah. go <laughs> and the, well so- <laughs> i'm glad your first viewing event was that fun
1: because that's the way they should be right you don't really know they should be suspenseful they shouldn't go without a hitch uh, I, I but everything's fine right guys it was, it like
0: was- this is the simple one what's going on
1: <laughs> <laughs> what what did what what was the reason for all of those red blocks did you find that out later
0: uh, I think uh, two problems: one quick bug with Lighthouse that got fixed pretty quickly, one, one of quick the bug with, with Prism, Prism uh, clients that got fixed pretty quickly, and, and nothing yeah. was the issue. The thing is, like, this is why we have multi-client architecture because yeah, that was Solana 100%. that would have gone down. Oh, this is you why had we had to have bring Solana into this. Didn't we, David? This is why you have five clients because it protects against call stuff out Solana, like this. Any any blockchain. That has clients, one single
1: client, yeah. including Bitcoin. Including Bitcoin, uh, that's you don't right, yeah. like hard forks are very nerve wracking. Uh, yeah. Very nerve wracking. Yeah, okay, well, well we made a it. Hard fork. We made it. Okay, withdrawals overview. What's this? What are we looking at? we got some dashboards up here, dude. Okay, so
0: there are a bunch of dashboards. If you are curious to see stats of uh, the Beacon Chain post-Chapella, there's a bunch of dashboards. Uh, so these, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, so I'm Look, just going to- Look, are we just... up in
1: terms of the amount of, is this locked? Oh, okay, this is total amount of ETH on the Beacon Chain. Is this staked yeah.
0: ETH? Has that gone up? 19 million? That's higher than I thought that it would be. Wow. Okay. Where'd that come from? I don't know. Uh, But uh, 161,000 roundup to 162,000 ether has been withdrawn. So 162 ether has been withdrawn. That's a pretty good uh, amount. And so you can scroll down and see that circulating supply, just that green line of ether coming out of the beacon chain. So th- this is like the bear case, right? This is like all of the ETH that's like locked is being put put into the market, except no one's just not necessarily selling it because the price is going up. But yeah, like Ether is net flowing from the beacon chain to the main chain, the the DeFi ecosystem, anywhere, like not staked basically. Uh, and so the, the circulating supply of Ether is going up because it's being unstaked. So are we seeing a big
1: exodus of staked ETH like some of the bears thought we mm-hmm. would. Obviously ETH price has gone up and I think that's because we have another um, de-risking event, de-risking event mm-hmm. hard fork behind us, which is fantastic. So markets responding to that. But what about this idea of a, a run on the uh, the protocol with ETH stakers, you know, fleeing and exiting?
0: Are we seeing any early numbers around that? Yeah. So one, some of these dashboards are going to be able to put a nice visual behind the uh, withdrawals versus further deposits, Um, so I think it's either this one or the next one, if you keep on scrolling down, Uh, there is absolutely a net outflow of Ether, as you would expect. This is not the hard fork that enables deposits. This is the hard fork that enables withdrawals. So now that withdrawals are happening, people are withdrawing their Ether. Uh, Kraken, which had to shut down its staking uh, uh, platform because of the SEC, they're not going to, keep it there, they're gonna withdraw it. So they are withdrawing a bunch of ether. Uh, People are withdrawing CB ETH from Coinbase. And so Coinbase has a bunch of staked ether being withdrawn. Uh, And so there is, uh, people are starting to squeeze through that 1800 validators per day, uh, 1800 times 32 to get to the amount of ether per day. Uh, So there's a line, so you gotta get in line. Uh, That line will clear pretty fast, I think in the next like four, three, four or five days. Uh, and then all of the ether that is queuing up to be withdrawn will be withdrawn, and that's the status of things now. Yeah. Um. How about this, David? This is uh, ETH waiting for withdrawal. Right,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. This chart. Um. So what are we looking at here?
0: Yeah. So uh, Kraken is the set of the line of people looking to withdraw their ethers. Kraken is seventy percent of that, withdrawing five hundred and fifty-one thousand ether, which implies something like. Seven hundred fifty thousand total ether being That's withdrawn. all in queue right now. It's all right? in queue. Yeah, okay. yeah. Currently being processed, right? Uh, and so Coinbase is like coming in at a solid six point five percent. So, and then after that, Huobi. All these centralized service providers, which big fan of, big fan of. Well, but but,
1: um, it's Kraken. It, part mm-hmm. of the reason why Kraken is withdrawing so much is because uh, the Gensler ban hammer has right, exactly. Uh, like they have to basically discontinue staking services in the United States and so mm-hmm. you have to imagine a large portion of the kraken is is as a result of this right. but overall we're not seeing this mass exodus of staked
0: eth are we it's just kind of well so we're hitting the upper limit like we are act we are seeing the ma- the the fastest withdrawal pace that you could see it's just that is it being sold? Is it being deposited again in a different service provider? Is it being sent to DeFi? We don't really know. Uh, what what we can actually assume is it's not being sold because Ether price is up. Yeah,
1: these are these are some metrics we're going to be looking at in the in I think the weeks to come is because I also. Th- think in addition to all of the withdrawals that we see, we're going to look at it a week from now and see how many deposits, new inflows as a result of this de-risking event we'll see. And I wonder if the, if the number is going to be like over uh, when we started or above, like Justin Drake's prediction is basically maybe a small dip, but pretty much flat. Through this entire event. And then we'll resume the climb upward on a linear uh, path to more and more ETH staked. So from 18 million to 20 million to beyond, he thinks. And we might get as high as like 30 million or a little bit above that is kind of his uh, his take on the final resting place. So we'll see uh, in the weeks to come what bears out. As you out. can see There's-
0: on that last dashboard, uh, the staking APY has increased by six 0.6%. And that's because fewer validators, staking think, API I goes think up. I must so. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting there are two ways to withdraw. Uh, you can do a skim withdraw, which just withdraws everything above 32 Ether. And a large supply of the withdrawn Ether in the queue is people just um, withdrawing their rewards, not with, uh, withdrawing their principal. That's a skim withdraw. People call that a partial withdrawal as partial well. Withdraw. you just re- withdrawing
1: yeah. the rewards.
0: You're not dis- disbanding the, the validator itself. Right. Yeah, and so uh, a full exit, which is when you withdraw 32 Ether, is what Kraken is doing, and, and partially Coinbase as well. Um, but most people are just claiming their rewards. Very cool.
1: Um, as you would expect. Gonna be,
0: <laughs> I think I'm going to be staking more in the, yeah. in the weeks
1: and months to come. Now's um, the time. I've been sort of waiting for this moment. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the core devs celebrating as
0: well, David. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Peter from the Get team. Peter from team. Geth, yeah. Uh-huh. And if you want to learn everything there is to know about Chapella and what happens next... Uh, you know who put out a report. Uh, that's us. Bankless is you know who. <laughs> uh, and so, bankless.com, how Chappella pushes Ethereum forward, if you just want to go further, deeper into the subject.
1: All right, David, you got to get me up to speed real quick on mm-hmm. this uh, Arbitrum thing. So, um, I think there was a lot of anger last week from yeah. members of the Arbitrum community and other communities who wanted to pile onto this about um, Arbitrum's foundation. Um, I was following this at high level. I know you and Anthony covered it on the, on the last roll-up a little bit. Why don't you get me up to speed on what happened, mm-hmm. and then let's talk about um, what happened this week, which was there was a new proposal that was basically saying, in this arbitrum proposal 1.05, that the foundation should return all of those funds, 700 million ARB mm-hmm. tokens, back to the DAO. That's a no. new foundation that came into play, and, and I believe it's being voted on right now. But just tell me, what happened
0: while I was out? Yeah, so the first ever snapshot vote for Arbitrum was a ratification of AIP, Arbitrum Improvement Proposal 1. Um, it turns out the community decided to vote no against it because the foundation was, was to receive 700 million, 750 million ARB tokens, about a little bit over a billion dollars. And the community voted no, but then Arbitrum was like, um, "This was just a, this was not, uh, this is just a ratification. This is not a vote. <laughs> this is this, this vote doesn't matter because the way that AIP is is the way that AIP one is going to go because that's yeah. how that's how it's going to be." And so the DAO was like, "Well, what does our vote even matter? We vote. You guys put this thing up for a snapshot vote. We voted no, but it's going through anyways. W, what the hell?" So like the conclusion that I have is that this was a major just comms miscommunication, a major comms F up by Arbitrum. They kind of just assumed that people would vote for this because why wouldn't you want to give a bunch of money to the DAO, to the foundation when the foundation has the best interests of Arbitrum at their heart, which is an assumption. And I will totally say, I agree that that's an assumption. Maybe the DAO is like, F the foundation, give us the tokens, we'll decide what to do with them. Uh, but because of legal constraints that are very significant for the Arbitrum team and the way that these things get set up. And also just because of the foundation can be a more more centralized, perhaps more effective entity than a distributed decentralized DAO, uh, people, like, the Arbitrum team was like, yeah, just give the f- tokens well, to the foundation. Well, to me,
1: doesn't this all hinge upon whether like Arbitrum had already made this decision beforehand and was jo- like, had already kind of communicated that to the community and had put this proposal out as a snapshot vote and saying, hey, you could vote for this, but it doesn't really matter because we've yeah. actually already made the decision as part of initial distribution. That would be like, like one one um one way this actually happened the other way that it could have happened is if they put it out to vote uh, and they it, like they had meant for the community to vote it but they didn't like the outcome of that vote mm-hmm. and so they were like no nope, just kidding wasn't an actual vote this time i mean the right. difference between the two is is pretty um, a pretty big deal in my mind and and kind of like would inform me on, on, uh, who, who is kind of the, 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 the right. good actor in this case.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good point that I actually haven't considered the fact that like, but I'm, I'm, uh, just cause my memory doesn't work to that level of granular detail. I'm pretty sure in the AIP and in, in blog posts, they said like, this is what's going to happen. Also vote on it. Um, so I guess there was confusion to begin with. They just should never have put the vote out. If
1: that's the case, they shouldn't have put the vote out. And that, that's kind right. of caused this whole confusion. Okay, so what what happened this
0: week? There's a new AIP proposal that there is... There's a, um, a new proposal that says, give the money back to the DAO and then resubmit AIP1 and the DAO will execute the transfer of the funds, not you guys. And so that proposal was placed forward to say like, show us, the DAO was, as a voice, as the collective, the DAO was like, show us that we have the power. Like, do, like, show us that we can do this. So Um, how is that vote going? Well, that vote just was voted against it. (laughs) So uh, (sighs) 108 million ARB tokens, 83% to 15% voted against, like, none of this, just don't, like, not even bother. It is what it is. Let's move on is the way that the Dow has collectively voted. I bet you there's probably some conversations as to, like, large whales voted against it and maybe retail voted for it. Um, but overall, uh, as an airdrop receiver, I, I voted against this because I I think this thing is mostly just drama. And I got flack for that take, by the way. saying that this Why'd you is get flack?
1: What did what people, like... So um, what, one thing that's interesting about a DAO vote is we've we've made this point before. We've had Hasu on. We talked about kind of the, the faults in mm-hmm. DAOs and all of these things, is there's no like legal obligation here. There's right. no like settlement layer to ratify a DAO vote and for kind of Arbitrum, the company, or any of the other Arbitrum stakeholders to actually like carry that vote right. forward. It's almost like a gigantic social signal, if you will. But there's mm-hmm. not like... Anything close to shareholder rights, which is yeah. sort of settled in a in a U.S. court system. So as part of that is, um, like, what what does a DAO vote actually entitle you to? And as a as a arb token holder, like, is this all window dressing? For, is governance kind of window dressing, or do you actually have rights? And yeah. I do think that is a valid concern. But it's not just a concern for Arbitrum; it's a concern for all. Um, Any sort of squishy governance that can't be settled Mm -hmm. on chain, of which, like most DAOs, have this, don't they?
0: Yeah, I do think this is a bunch of window dressing. What my frustration is that the inception, the initialization, the bootloading of a foundation and a DAO, how that exists, how that comes to be, is an exceptional moment and exceptional and it warrants exceptional circumstances because of Gary Gensler and jail time and fines and stuff because of that reason and you so just we think need there to, should
1: be a grace window particularly should, at the, the very the first beginning.
0: initialization the first creation of the whole system should actually be outside of DAO governance it should because of efficiency capital efficiency but it has cost- to be. efficiency. it just has to be though it also right? has to be that way right uh, and so then Every other proposal after that should have the full faith and might <laughs> of the Dao behind it, but the initialization is in a special circumstance that we need to have some sort of grace period even, just for. for you con- want to give conditions. them a mulligan
1: for just this one time, but if they yeah. do it again, then right. then you'd have a bigger problem. If you do with it, it live in production, then let's get the pitchforks. I see. Look, I don't have a real strong take on it now that I've heard yeah. like all of these sides. I just yeah. um, We probably didn't have too much to talk about last week, and so right. we were uh, really focused on this this week. But here's a take from Eric Wall. Um, it's a lot, but could you summarize what his take is on this whole ordeal?
0: Yeah, it's a, basically a summary of what we've saw, said just uh, so far. It's basically there's this interesting proposal that's out there that says, hey, give it back to the DAO. It's, and it's basically a summary of what, what we've just talked about. Eric Wall says, as a delegate, I control basically half a million ARB tokens and I will probably vote uh, not vote against it, even though it worries me a great deal to see the Arbitrum Foundation in such a risky seat. And despite knowing how important their work is to make sure that Arbitrum prospers and stays competitive with other Layer Twos with foundation with functional foundations. Uh, and so Eric Wall is like balancing, is like, well, he's a big delegate. Uh, he understands the value of a foundation, but he's not going to vote against it because he wants to see the trial of governance play out. Um, but <laughs> the thing didn't pass anyways.
1: All right, David, uh, so we've covered Chapella, we've covered Arbitrum. What's coming up next?
0: Coming up next, the last and final update on Euler. I actually did say that last week, but this is because there's one last step, which is people get their money back and then there's no more conversation about it. Uh, so there's that. Uh, FTX recovers $7.3 billion in assets and has started discussions about how to restart the exchange. We will discuss whether we even want that or not. And Bankless has its brand new product update, the Token Hub, your brand new hub for tokens. If those title wasn't descriptive enough, just in case you want to lose extra money this cycle, (laughs) a brand new token hub for citizens. So all this and more, as soon as we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. All right, we're back with uh, Euler. So it sounds like
1: Euler got all of its funds from the hacker back, which seems like a miracle and that's Mm -hmm. amazing. But now there's a process for which um, people who had deposited funds in Euler have to redeem and just an extra process. Is, is that what we're talking about right now?
0: Yeah. So because Euler is a money market, when people deposit money into Euler, they have a position. Uh, that position was rugged from them by the attacker. Um, I guess that's not the appropriate way to use rugged. Uh, but the exploiter stole the money, but people had it in positions. And so who gets how much money back? had to do these calculations to make sure who gets you can't you can't just put the money back into the vaults got right? it uh and so Euler has run the computations done the math and created a claims page so if it's you great are news an, though right no one if lost you anything. are an Euler victim there's now a button that you can go press and you can press that button and you can get your money back so go press we, the button do we know anything about this this uh, attacker <laughs> Uh, his name's
1: Jacob. <laughs> he says his name's Jacob, right? <laughs> says so his name's Jacob, yeah. He just, But basically, we don't know motives. We don't know who this individual is. They stole the money, and then they said they were sorry, and then returned the money is basically yeah. the full circuit here.
0: Yeah. Um, well, isn't I, that great? I'm going to assume that uh, law enforcement put some heavy pressure on this person. There was probably some pressure to do that. I'm going and to guess I that. Wonder,
1: I wonder what this person is doing right now. Can you just be like oops accident it was just a prank bro and like and then you're fine you, you are no longer in trouble with law
0: enforcement is that how this I works I don't know how this works Jacob would have to tell us I'm Jacob. just for some reason I'm just picturing like some high schooler in his like <laughs> mom's house. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, what Oops, did I do? I, I didn't think this would work. <laughs> the police showed up at my house.
1: <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Um all right. Bitcoin stuff. Light Spark is a competition for the Lightning Network. This is David Marcus, who formerly ran the Diem program and the mm-hmm. which is called Libra Diem at Facebook, um, one of the original Facebook. Um, not a founder, but early to Facebook, certainly. David Marcus, very excited about uh, the Lightning Network and Bitcoin. He mm-hmm. says he's thrilled to unveil the LightSpark platform today. We believe the internet badly needs an open payment protocol, one that works 24-7, s- settles in a near real time. This is basically a startup, an application built to uh, expand Lightning to the masses. What's your take on this?
0: Uh, it is probably the biggest... Uh, effort to build out lightning infrastructure from somebody who's already done something very big in this world that I've seen. Is this the one that is different? Well, I forgot to mention, uh, David Marcus was was also a former
1: PayPal president. So he knows Mm -hmm. a thing or two about transactions. And his comment was, much of lightning's potential is being held back by the clunky and time consuming process of node management engaging with the lightning network. He's like, the UX is bad, so I'm going to fix that. One thing that's interesting, at least my take on this, is I agree with him. The UX is Mm -hmm. bad. Um, I don't think that will solve the problem because I think the UX still remains bad as long as you have Bitcoin as the unit of account because people don't want to spend their Bitcoin. I don't want to spend my ETH either. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I want to spend stable coins. I I spend my DAI, I spend my USDC, and I
0: Mm -hmm. hold my ETH. Mm -hmm. And it's the, I make I don't, people pay me in Ether, but I pay them in USDC. Exactly. <laughs> I don't and
1: that's the thing that Bitcoin advocates have been preaching for a very long time. Mm. And so I don't know if you can get over that from a UX uh, perspective, you know, particularly to the masses. Maybe, maybe if you had hyper Bitcoinization, large nation states will do settlement between each other in Bitcoin, like Bitcoin transactions. But I don't know. Um, hold your Bitcoin, sell yeah. your fiat. Uh, that's the UX problem, in my opinion. But it's great to see more development on uh, on Lightning and certainly on Bitcoin. David, more news on FTX bankrupt. FTX has recovered 7.3 billion in assets, and here's the here's the kicker: and is considering relaunching the exchange in Q2.
0: Okay, <laughs> what what what's your take on this? Uh, Just to make it really clear, Q2 is now. (laughs) It's this this quarter. Why? Uh, So 7.3, part of that number has come from the rise of crypto asset prices uh, since FTX, right? And so that number is going up because Bitcoin and Ether and Solana and these other tokens are going up in price. If you so wait long enough, everyone will be made whole. Wait long enough, yeah. <laughs> but, but not actually, because a lot of the people lost Bitcoins. And so Bitcoin denomination has not gone up. No. Uh, anyways. Um, okay. So uh, total recovery of these assets would have been 62 uh, billion dollars from crypto prices in November of 2022. So we've gained 1.1 billion dollars thanks to crypto asset appreciation. Uh, in legal proceedings, it was discussed the potential to start restart the crypto exchange. Uh, they In these legal proceedings, however, it said that FTX would need significant capital to restart its crypto exchange because the existing customer interface had little connection to the movement of money behind the scenes, the lawyer said. Remember, Ryan, a very big topic of conversation was how good of a product FTX was. How fast was. it was. It was so good and fast. The UX well, was it amazing. It really makes a ton of sense that this thing that was a fraud behind the scenes had this very polished and sleek front end because it didn't matter. <laughs> you didn't have to connect those. The things. numbers weren't
1: real. <laughs> they weren't
0: real. It just generated numbers.
1: It wasn't even connected to like the backend. What was actually happening? Well, that Which is really an makes
0: Sam Bankman Fried's Excel docs of uh, accounting <laughs> just hit a little bit differently. Wow. Let me ask you this though, David. Um, FTX say it relaunches.
1: Would you ever use the new FTX exchange? I never even used the old
0: one, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but like you probably thought about it. Yeah, I probably thought about it. Um, I'm just saying. I don't need any more centralized exchanges. But like who is going to use? Maybe not you.
1: Who is going to use the FTX exchange? Are people just going to be like, oh, it's rebranded. It's under new management. FTX 2.0 sounds great. Let me put all of my money in this thing why don't you just let it die, guys? This is a yeah. bankruptcy proceeding. I don't understand a need to, or an interest. I guess shareholders are probably like, like fiduciary relaunch, duty. Yeah. relaunch, let's mint a token and see if we can get some of our money back. That's probably what it is. Probably. But like, yeah. I don't know that this is a consumer product that will ever work again.
0: Um, okay, so all of the exchanges out there that have been proven to be good, I, I know the names of, the, of these leaders. Brian Armstrong, Jesse Powell, and CZ and uh, who is going to lead FTX and have somebody rise to the shoulders of these other giants and are, can actually like command trust. Who's going to do that? Who's going to step up to the plate? No one. Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon purchases FTX, relaunches the exchange.
1: There you go. We're done. We're done. Look,
0: here. I know the 2022 simulation was pretty crazy. Well, I'm just surprised they're actually reconsidering
1: launching this. So that's uh, that was not on my list. Um, also not on my list, Japan doing big things in crypto appearing more crypto-friendly, it seems. We've got uh, an article written in Japanese, so I cannot read this, uh, David, but um, what <laughs> does this nec- say? The
0: next link is what you want, Ryan. Okay, uh, here so we go. Japan's Liberal Democratic Party and its Web3 project team release a white paper to push crypto-friendly initiatives in the country. Uh, this is part of Prime Minister Fumio uh, Kishida's. god, I'm such a not bad, naive though. A white person. Uh, strategy of promoting technology, a project they've called Cool Japan. They have a project oh, called cool, cool Japan that includes Web3 initiatives. When do we that get Cool, cool. America? <laughs> yeah, we do not get you know, Cool America. We
1: got 90 pages of FUD in a Biden, mm-hmm. um, Biden administration yeah. economic report on crypto, and Japan not gets cool. cool Japan.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> not, not very cool of us. Uh, a quote from uh, this white paper, after crypto winter, Japan may be the first to welcome spring. Uh, In order to promote blockchain-related businesses in Japan, it is necessary to develop an environment that facilitates investment in tokens. So here are some some high-level details. Uh, They want to see tokens as fundraising tools for Web3 startups instead of speculative assets. They are looking at tax reforms that favor cryptocurrencies, which should be considered alongside existing accounting tools. uh, And also DAOs that can be established in the same way that LLCs can be established. Wow! Cool Japan. That cool is cool, Japan. Japan. Uh, I'm just, I'm just jealous, but
1: I'm very excited that Japan is doing this. This is, yeah. this is very good, and it's clearly there's some land grab of like, okay, America's not going to take lead of this, then we'll jump in because we're also seeing this in Hong Kong. Hong right. Kong's finance chief pushes for Web3 adoption. This is Hong Kong's top financial boss saying that now is the time for the economy to push Web3 adoption. They want to um, be basically the the fiat banking center for crypto. Mm. And uh, doing that in Japan. So, um, again, this is more indication that uh, America's got to catch up. Um, so does Europe, it seems like, for, for that matter.
0: Ryan, can you scroll down just a, a little bit and then see the permissionless 2023? You want to just go ahead and click the join us in Austin, Texas link right there. Oh, hey. Because man. permissionless in 2023, September 11th through 13th, Dave Dow has officially challenged Ben Dow to a dodgeball tournament. This Uh, has nothing to do with Japan or Hong Kong. It has nothing to do with Japan. This is a hard pivot here. I have moved on. I have completely moved on. (laughs) I am doing my best to convince Mike and Jason at BlockWorks to carve out a part of Permissionless in the event center to host a dodgeball tournament. And I want all of the rivalries to, to come forth. I want... Optimism versus Arbitrum. I uh-huh. want ZK Sync versus Polygon. I want ooh. Ben Dow versus Dave Dow. I want A16Z Crypto versus Paradigm. I want people to assemble their, p- their ooh, squads. Ooh, ooh. Can we do crypto natives versus regulators, please? <laughs> well, the regulators aren't coming. They're not invited. <laughs> well, I get- easy win then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so if you are interested in, in your dodgeball tournament and want to help me uh, meme this into existence so that Jason and Mike are compelled to uh, host a dodgeball a part of uh, uh, Permissionless, then go get your Permissionless ticket. If you're a bankless citizen, you get 30% off, which is like hundreds of dollars because the tickets go up in price every two weeks. Look, uh, so uh, link in the show notes to get your Permissionless 2023
1: ticket. Crypto is tribal enough, David. I think we can get our tribal rage out on the uh, dodge <laughs> dodgeball courts here. From dodgeball to token hub, this is it. This is the bankless token hub. It is now available for bankless citizens. If you are not a citizen, you should definitely upgrade. You get so much uh, in your citizen package, including a premium RSS feed. And also now, the token hub. David, have you checked this out, man? This is um, neutral, bearish, bullish positions on uh, 28 different tokens from the bankless analyst team. It gives our rating. We're we're putting it Mm -hmm. out there not financial advice entertainment only entertainment but this is only. what some of the best analysts that David and I have found are actually uh, rating these tokens and evaluate them evaluating them based on uh, some catalysts so if you're like oh you know Boomer David and Ryan only talk about ETH and ETH. some of the core <laughs> assets and all the blue chips and it's no not exciting enough for me let me tell you we go down the stack in the token hub and it's not our opinions. It's our analyst opinions. But did you also know you can mark some of these as your favorites? As yeah, uh, some of right. these tokens, mark mm-hmm. them as your favorites. And also, let, let me ask you, like Uniswap, are you, what do you think about Uniswap, Unitoken? Bullish, neutral, or bearish? Give me a
0: rating. Um, I am just, it, the answer is obviously bullish. Why bullish. am I bullish? Because it is the, it has a monopoly on volume. It is wherever it goes because Uniswap, it's on ZK Sync, it's on Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, it's on every layer too. It's always a dominant exchange. So even though there's no fee switch that's turned on, you just got to turn it on. So I'm bullish. You can see what the other citizens think. So
1: 41% are also bullish on Uniswap, but 47% are neutral hmm. and 12% are bearish. Uh, lots to unpack here. You guys can find it at bankless.com slash tools slash token hyphen hub or just go to bankless.com, become a citizen, and you'll get connected right into that. Uh, oh, really by cool the launch. way,
0: explicitly, our ratings, these neutral bullish bearish yes. ratings are versus Ether, not Oh, bullish. That's a very that's
1: important right. point. That is very important, important because uh, ETH is money, and that's how we denominate mm-hmm. our portfolios. It really makes the game a little harder. When you're dishing yeah. out token oh, God, ratings yeah. and you're bullish, because it's not bullish yeah. relative to fiat. That's easy That's mode. That's easy. We're it's going easy. hard mode here. Mm-hmm. Bullish relative to ETH. Ooh, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now we can lose money together in new ways. If <laughs> you want
0: a token to be rated by the token ratings on the token hub, you can say so inside of the Bankless Nation Discord, which you can, can you? only get to if you're a bankless citizen.
1: You could just say what whatever token you want, and uh, Ben and team will go. You can just and- yell it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't encourage <embarrass> that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know um, MetaMask, by the way, our friends and sponsors, they have just launched a really cool feature on their portfolio dApp. This is the part of MetaMask that uh, adds new features even faster than the main wallet. And You can find that in MetaMask at portfolio.metaMask.io. They have this buy tab now where you can really easily buy directly from fiat, buy crypto assets, ACH all sorts of different. Yeah. ACH transfers, bank transfers, all sorts of different um, uh, like buying mechanisms so you can fiat onboard directly through your wallet, which is really cool. It's great to see uh, new ways to onboard, and they've added that there. So there'll be a link in the show notes for you with that feature. And David, did you know this? Okay, I think you did know this, mm-hmm. but um, you know, one thing that can happen over time is if you're doing a lot with your ETH wallet, you approve all of these various smart contracts. Mm-hmm. And s- some of the security around these smart contracts are the things that you do in Web2, all the crazy DGEN activities you do. Sometimes smart contracts go bad. And mm-hmm. so you may have opened the door, but not shut the door. You may have approved access to mm-hmm. your um, keys to do some specific function in a wallet and forgotten to revoke. Etherscan mm-hmm. actually has a tool where you can look at your address and you can revoke access It will tell you
0: what you've given access to specifically, rather than just like not not understanding. And it'll tell you like you've given access to all of these contracts. Do you trust these contracts? Do you know who these people are? I didn't know EtherScan was doing this. Yeah, uh, they've had this for a while.
1: I didn't know. I was using another tool for this, but seeing EtherScan, uh, a tool I trust and already use like every day, do this is uh, pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's probably a security tip. Like go Mm -hmm. through some of your addresses that you use for DGEN activity and make sure you are revoking access to the mm-hmm. things that you don't trust. Why leave access open? Um, there was actually an event earlier this week that happened mm-hmm. in Sushi, I believe, where um, some people got their wallets drained because they did not revoke access.
0: Well, they, they gave access to a router that was exploited ah. uh, and then people had to go revoke access because that router was proven to be bad. Like other mm-hmm. contracts, like the the Wrapped Ether contract, you're never gonna have to worry about that one. That thing is rock solid. Uh, The die contract, like generally rock solid. Uh, Some things without names that you can't remember why you gave it uh, permissions in the first place, maybe you want to revoke revoke that one. (laughs) Yeah, you wanna revoke that one. All right, David, uh, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got some questions from the Bankless Nation, as well as some takes of the week. Followed up by, of course, what Ryan and I are bullish on. And lastly, but not least, the meme of the week, because that's how we end the show. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Back with questions from the
1: week. This one from Oren. I'm going to read the whole question, David, because there's a story associated with this. After 14 months, I finally feel like I'm in crypto for real. I lost 1.1 ETH to a scam. Was my own fault. I clicked a link from a trustworthy source without reading the accompanying text, an opaquely worded confirmation letter, and I'm down 1.6k pounds. Why didn't I read the text properly? I was mentally juggling, soothing a grizzling baby, work emails, and the myriad other daily life tasks that take up brain space, all the while trying to stay up to date with opportunities in crypto. It made me wonder when. And how we're going to get crypto to a stage where it can be trusted by people who can't always focus their whole attention on it. The casual retail users. Surely without them, the room for growth as in industry is limited. I know crypto is risky and I can lose what I put in. But having some arse outright steal your funds hits so differently from taking a punt on a degen token that goes to zero. What are your thoughts on what we can do to combat the constant scams that reinforce the negative view of the industry, limit growth, and give more ammunition to Elizabeth Warrens and those like her? I love the roll-up; it's been a godsend in keeping us up to date with the industry in the limited time I do get. This is a very sincere question from Orin, yeah. and I—I um, I gotta say, I really resonate with um, with this. Like, how does a normal person possibly right. have time? To determine and figure out what's a scam and what's not, this is certainly right. the Wild West, David. Are we ever going to graduate to something that feels a little more safe? like one thing when the Dgen uh, tokens go to zero, another thing when something unexpected happens mm-hmm. as, uh, as it happened to Oren here, uh, clicking a link from a trust what he thought was a trustworthy source and then getting uh, 1.1 eth stolen
0: yeah, and I'm sad to say I don't really have a silver bullet here. Um, I think this more or less comes with the territory of self-custody crypto assets. Uh, We have the power and the responsibility of being able to control our own money. Um, Wells Fargo will never let you send your money to a scam because of how cumbersome it is that scammers don't even bother to try. So thank you, Wells Fargo, I guess. They can also Totally confiscate your money, capital controls, all of those bad things. Um, and so, this is just the double edged sword, I would say, that is crypto. How do we prevent this? Well, one part is, of course, just education. Uh, we're never going to be able to get away, get rid of scammers in the way that the traditional finance world just doesn't have to deal with scammers because scammers just can't operate in traditional finance. Um, Simultaneously, there's like ways to win in this space because of those same properties, right? Like you get airdrops, uh, you get to invest in things that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to invest in. And so like yeah, there's, there's upsides and there's downsides. And now we're talking about one of the downsides. I think, sadly, another unsatisfactory answer is that like the kids that are raised with this financial system are going to become extremely fluent in this natively. Whereas people that are older, that have to learn this thing just from top down, just because we were faced, uh, confronted with this while trying to learn it manually, that we are the the more vulnerable people. Because once upon a time, we learned how to do Venmo and ACH transfers and all that kind of stuff. And we never had to worry about this kind of thing, which is why it's easy to fall victim to a, to a trap when you have a trusted source sends you a link. Uh, And so the one part is just like, it's just going to take time. There's also innovation to talk about. This is a problem and problems inspire problem solvers and problem solvers that create useful solutions, get investment to scale those solutions out to the world. And so sadly, I don't really have a silver bullet here, but that's because there's 10,000 different answers that are all kind of good and kind of bad. Uh, But when you put them all together, we have a solution and sadly just takes time. I you,
1: you I, I wanna echo I think you said made many of the points I would have made, David, with you mm-hmm. know, kind of competition and, and, and time and innovation and also upside. We mm-hmm. are on the frontier. This really is the bleeding edge frontier. And um like I think some things that used to be more bleeding edge frontier are less frontier. So we can look at the past, it's much safer to hold ETH mm-hmm. in twenty twenty three than it was in, in twenty sixteen. And to use a multi-sig in twenty twenty three. Than it was in like 2017, mm-hmm. or like to use Uniswap, right? So we've come a long way, and the 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 way we've like the, the only way that's happened is, is through time and sort of like Lindy, um, playing over time, which means like large amount of value and, and smart contracts. They don't get hacked over time, and sort of risk boils out. Um, so I I do believe we're just in the wild west right now. This is definitely the frontier, and um, that is bad because there's risks. I think it will get better over time, but there's no silver bullet. There's no immediate fix. But it also on the on the flip side of that, once all of the risk is boiled out of the system, it means there's going to be not very much upside left, mm-hmm. right? So you, Oren, you're here in the early stages. Um, you just had a like an event happen to you. Um, it, it's happened to many in this space. Um, I'm sorry, right? Like mm-hmm. deeply, like that. Um, these ty- types of things hurt, and yet. I think this is a short-term setback because the most fundamental thing is you are here, you are on the frontier, you're going to use this as a learning opportunity, and you're exposed to so many more opportunities than the people with their funny their their money in Wells Fargo and the banking system are going to be. They're not going to receive the airdrops, they're not going to buy, have the opportunity to buy ETH at 2K, they're not going to have the opportunities that you have right now because you know about this stuff. So. Once it becomes less risky, it's also like the upside is not going to be there anymore. And that's just the trade-off that we're dealing with at this point. Yeah. Uh, there we go. David, we got a take this week. And I think this is going to be the, the, the only take that we talk about because it's a big one. Uh, a two tale takes of two agendas. What, what is the
0: first agenda here? And then what is the second? Yeah, so these, these two takes uh, juxtapose with each other. So here we have Chamath Polyapatia uh, from the All In podcast. Uh, And he tweets out, if you invent a novel drug, you need the government to vet and approve it, the FDA, before you can commercialize it. If you invent a new mode of air travel, you need the government to vet and approve it, the FAA, before you can commercialize it. If you create a new security, you need the government to vet and approve it, the SEC, before you can commercialize it. More generally, when you create things with broad societal impact, positive and negative, the government creates a layer of review and approval. AI will need such an oversight body. The FDA approval process seems to be the most credible and adaptable into a framework to understand how a model behaves and is counter and it's counterfactual. Our political leaders need to get in front of this sooner rather than later and create some sort of oversight before the eventual big, avoidable mistakes happen and the genies are out of the bottle. That was the first take. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the second take. Here is Noval. Much of the innovation in the last few decades was in search, social, crypto, and AI because pure math is the last unregulated frontier. Invite the regulators in and they'll freeze innovation here just as they did in healthcare and energy. That's Mm. the other side of the take. Ryan, which of these two takes do you like? (laughs) You know, I'm going to say the second. Um, I was... I thought... Ch- P- Chamath's take, he was like, if you want to go back to the, the, the other one, it's like, mm-hmm. the government, they've got, uh, they've got securities. You got to get proof. You got to ask permission. Uh, aviation, you got to ask permission. Uh, drugs, you got to ask permission. I thought he was setting, uh, setting up for like, we live in a permission society. It all sucks. But then he goes full statist, And he's like, <laughs> Let's do it for AI, and I'm like, what? I thought you were going the opposite direction, dude.
1: I think I think that there is a mistake here in that, like, so what I think the mistake is there is some a little bit of truth in the middle, but it's like I'd still more veer, veer towards Naval because I think the assumption that Jamath is making this tweet is that, um, it's not like the full libertarian, like a super hyper libertarian assumption of like we don't need any institutions, the free market will solve everything, right? It's like I don't agree with that. But I don't think that the only regulatory institution has to come from the nation state, mm-hmm. from a bureaucracy, right? Mm. I think we can develop other regulatory institutions outside of the FAA and the SEC and the FDA. And indeed, we are doing that mm. in crypto in various ways, right? It's like So I think that there is um, a lack of imagination when like, there do need to be standards and harmony and sort of like institutions in place but they don't all and coordination apparatus but they don't all have to come from big government nation state and i think naval is right on when he says that sort of get quelches innovation and Mm -hmm. um, like puts us further behind um but if if naval was to go as far as to say like and therefore we don't need coordination, we don't need right. um, any sort of institutions yeah, right. or like regular and it's sort of just every every person for themselves, then that is sort of a bridge to fall from far from me. So I, I think what we are doing in crypto is really creating new institutions here and they're in their proto phase and they're very early, but like DeFi, open source code, Ethereum as an institution that's more of the innovation I'd like to see. And I think that doesn't come with the trade-offs where you know you get Big G to come in and they just totally swelch the thing and kill all innovation. Yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think that, I think that's right. I think if Chamath's take, instead of saying, and we're going to need that for AI too, was instead you can bet that that is coming for AI, I would have been like, yeah, that makes more sense.
1: Well, but would you go as far as to say, okay, so let me ask you this though. David, are you saying that um, we don't need any regulators? We don't need any like co- like coordinating bodies or institutions? Um, are you just living in sort of a you know a libertarian anti-establishment um, like
0: fa- utopia Wonderland that doesn't actually exist? I would say that all of our examples of regulators are in these pendulum of incumbent protecting corrupt. Uh, institutions on one side of things versus effective regulators. They're too far along. All of them are too far along on the incumbent protection corruption machines. Even Um, like the FAA? uh, FAA, probably not that one. That one's more of a niche. FDA. So I've been talking to a ton of um, synthetic biology and longevity researchers, and all of them say that the FDA has held back their industries by decades and they just can't do what they aspire to do because of the FDA. It's like I, say I don't know. The first time the FDA. I
1: you, no. You, you said that. Yeah, you said it correctly. But like, yeah, I I don't. I think every regulatory institution has um, gone through the kind of this path. Some are on the other side of corruption, right? So like, mm-hmm. I have a personally generally neutral to maybe positive feelings about the FAA, for instance. Yeah,
0: FAA. We like you guys. I we mean, chill.
1: like it is safe, right? But yeah, but maybe they, they that's just because. Maybe that's because I don't know enough about the airline industry to be like, oh, they're blocking all of this innovation. I just don't know enough about it. But it's I do know the it.
0: Industry. It's just like flight in general.
1: Like the SEC, man, they are screwing up royally. I know a few things they about the SEC. They have abandoned yeah. their yeah. mission, right? And the FDA, I'm like learning a little bit more about it, but it yeah. sounds like those in, in various um, life sciences spaces will say they're just totally shitting the bed as well. Yeah. Um, well, they, and so, they
0: delayed the COVID vaccine by like months.
1: And so, our like, I mean, Chamath says we sh- we need this for the for AI. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, you want a Gary Gensler of AI? Like, we don't that's we that, that we need it yet. What would he do? Like, d- okay. exert power, exert control. I mean, it sounds I bet terrible. you even
0: Eliezer would be like, they're not going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, takes of the week. Uh, what are you bullish on, David? I am bullish on the future of ETH staking. This ETH staking industry. Okay, so with the Chappella upgrade, we have the loop. Correct. And so this is like staking 1.0. The staking project is not done, but the foundations are set. So like you have ETH staking, you have withdraws, you can stake at home. It's only 32 Ether. Uh, There is so many more new layers of innovation that come along in this stack to take ETH staking from its existing, but still primitive state to what we and I have always seen, which is the global internet bond market. Uh, And so we got Eigenlayer restaking. Uh, we got distributed validator technology. We got more competition in the long tail of uh, liquid staking derivative tokens. We have interest rate swaps. We have all of this other stuff. We have MEV capture and proposer builder separation. The, the maturation and growth of the ETH staking industry is going to be so cool to watch. And that is what I, I'm bullish on. I agree. that There's another point.
1: This is an Anthony Sassana tweet. DVT on test nets and mainnet. And in our episode earlier this week, I think you actually coined this phrase, and I hope it catches on, squad staking. Squad staking, So you don't have 32 ETH, but you want to solo stake? Grab some friends. Well, it's not solo at
0: that point. It's squad staking.
1: It's squad staking. Grab some friends, and you make a squad staking unit. This is actually possible with some new technology that is here, but also early, called DVT, Mm -hmm. uh, Distributed Validator uh, Technology. This kind of allows that. So... I think we've just scratched the surface. We had to get through withdrawals in order to mm. unleash kind of the next phase of innovation. And I mm. also am very excited about uh, the future of staking, the future of ETH staking in particular. Um, but what else well, are you bullish on? But what else am I bullish on? Look, just Ethereum shipping, David. Mm. So we went just um, six, uh, s- just over s- six months, I think close to seven, s- closer to seven months from the September hard fork. We got another hard fork. We have mm. withdrawals. And I think the next hard fork is probably, I I don't want to put dates on anybody, but it's probably like another six to eight months away. Maybe that's a little optimistic, Mm -hmm. but that's EIP 4844. And so at that time, we'll have proof of stake, we'll have cheap layer two block space, and we'll have, like we already have um, uh, zk EVMs, and layer twos are like blowing up. So we have cheap block space, we have proof of stake, and we have layer twos firing. That is like what Ethereum has promised, I think, and mm-hmm. that will be the fulfillment of the first set of of promises that Ethereum really made. The big, uh, the big
0: core revolutionary promises. The, yeah, that you and I exactly. signed up for in like 20, 2018 yeah.
1: Yes, it will feel like finally promises kept, promises fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just excited how how fast Ethereum is shipping. I think morale has never been never been higher. Yeah. So, yeah. very cool.
0: What do we got for meme of the week? Meme of the week. Meme of the week. This is a, a meme that you gave us. Uh, her. This is one of those her me memes. It's her. Are you religious? Me. And there's this like child religious looking kid in a white button down shirt and a tie holding the Bitcoin standard book. <laughs> have you ever read the Bitcoin standard, Ryan? Yeah, of course I have. I love the Bitcoin standard book. Why do you love it?
1: Just oh, the, I, the I mean,
0: style. The, just like the absolute, like Saifedean is a toxic character. The author is a toxic character who has me blocked on Twitter, which is a big shame <laughs> because like a lot of his ideas, I'm you're a, a huge a huge fan of, yeah. <laughs> uh, he would turn uh, you away at a book signing because you're a really Okay, so I actually have a signed copy of the Bitcoin Standard from <laughs> Safadine <laughs> and Moose. I shit you not. Uh, C- CK from Bitcoin Media got it for me and it, it has something in, in written in it. I can't remember what it was, but B- uh, CK gave the book to Safedine and said, hey, can you sign this for my, like, my ETH head friend? And then <laughs> Safedine wrote something along the lines of, like, yep. Bitcoin Bitcoin will be ready for you when you when you come to it or something like this. That's um, hilarious. There's a lot of, a, there's, like, a lot of cool, like, the whole topic of, like, fiat culture, I'm just a huge, huge fan of. Um, I, I get and- it, but he, he,
1: he, so, I get it, and I also enjoyed that book, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I read it, like, all the way through. I didn't hate it, but I... When you turn it into a holy text, right? And like, I think it is absolutely a holy text of Well, Dick that's Warner. the thing. That's where it's just <laughs> it gets weird for me because I see the point of like fiat culture means kind of like you know, uh, like f- the concept of like fiat art. Things don't um we don't spend as much time on things anymore. It's all sort of this product of uh, infl- He's got some great underlying points, but that's almost turned into sort of a like a religion or anything fiat a, is a, a little bit too unholy. religious
0: religion like i kind of consider all blockchains as like these sort of religions but bitcoiners have taken a, parts of the bitcoin community have taken this way too far <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: that's uh, yeah, I laughed out loud when I saw this. So we're sharing that. That's yeah, that the mean of the week, one. guys. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this, of course, has been financial advice, including the token hub. We really have no idea what tokens are going to go up or down. Crypto is, but risky. our analysts might,
0: but maybe it's still for, it's still for entertainment of
1: value, though. First that's and right, fondos, and, and primarily and, so, and always. So was this episode, as always. And we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.